0: I'm Justin Voss, and this is Built in Motion.
1: A show about life and engineering.
0: There are a lot of technologies that have the potential to greatly change the way we live our lives. A major one that feels like it's right over the horizon is the self-driving car. I'm the voice of Knight Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit if you prefer. Picture being able to wake up in the morning, hop in your car, and have it drive you to work, leaving you to catch up on some reading, or maybe even a few more minutes of sleep. The ideas and technologies behind self-driving cars are a really big topic. But for this episode, we're going to explore what got the recent revolution going. It's no secret that Google and other companies are working hard at making something like this a reality. But this isn't a new idea.
2: People have wanted to have driverless cars for, you know, for a long time, and there are all kinds of autopilot you know, suggestions from you know, way back into the, you know, the middle of the 20th century.
0: That guy you're hearing there is Mark Harris. He is a science and technology writer based out of Seattle.
2: I think the first thing that really... Sort of took it out of the realm of futurism and science fiction was the DARPA Grand Challenge and then the DARPA Urban Challenges. And these were challenges.
0: Here's Engineer Ryan Isabel
3: on DARPA. They are probably one of the most predominant research organizations for the U.S. Department of Defense.
1: DARPA stands for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency.
3: DARPA was originally created in 1958 and it was ARPA. And the main purpose of this at the time was to initiate research and development projects. And these projects were designed to help accelerate the technology and the science that goes into everything that we do in the U.S. military, ultimately for national defense.
2: So DARPA's aim was always to develop technologies for the next generation of warfighters, technologies that they think could help US military personnel in in conflict zones. If they could start automating vehicles, they could get people out of harm's way.
0: The United States military started looking into autonomous vehicles in the early 2000s. And after a congressional mandate that made at least a third of all military vehicles be autonomous by the year 2015, they created an open call for designs and ideas with the DARPA Grand Challenge. The first challenge was held in early 2004 in the Mojave Desert region just outside of Las Vegas, along a 150 mile or
2: 250 kilometer course. The first competition they did was actually very much in the sort of desert environment. It was off-road driving, um, the ability to uh, you know navigate between waypoints. On what may or may not be real roads, so it's more about tracks. It wasn't about reading road signs. It was about avoiding trees, avoiding animals, avoiding other vehicles, and finding the best route, um, you know, through a desert or, or, or you know, other unobscured environment.
1: The official stated goal of the 2004 DARPA Grand Challenge was to leverage American ingenuity to accelerate the development of autonomous vehicle technologies that can be applied to military requirements.
2: Well, they kind of opened their doors and said. You know, anyone out there in academia, anyone out there in the private sector, come and show us what you can do. And we'll test these cars against each other, these vehicles. Um, We'll see whether they can really drive themselves and, um, you know, name a winner.
0: One million dollars was put up by the government for the team that could complete the entire course the fastest. And although this was a United States challenge, individuals with foreign citizenship were eligible to participate if the team had at least one U.S. citizen. The challenge brought everyone from big universities and tech companies to garage tinkerers.
2: Yeah, pretty much all the big technology names you'd think of, Carnegie Mellon, MIT, Stanford, you know, Berkeley, you know, a bunch of them, um, a bunch of different um, universities.
0: 106 teams originally applied, and 25 made it to the qualifying event held in California. And only 15 were given a shot at the money in the desert.
3: And what you will witness today is some of the most advanced machines ever built. Uh, for demonstrating ground robotic technology. We're going to be starting off this morning. Uh, We had 15 vehicles qualify for this event. Uh, The first vehicle out to shoot uh, is the red team. The last vehicle out to shoot, number 15, is the blue team.
1: Uh, And we have every color of the rainbow of vehicles in between.
0: The exact course wasn't released until the night before, but the overall rules were relatively simple.
1: Vehicles must demonstrate autonomous behavior and operation at all times. Vehicles must be unmanned and no animals are permitted on board. No team may send a vehicle a signal of any kind, whether visual, radio frequency, or sonic. The vehicle may not transmit or receive any signals other than freely available navigation signals like GPS.
2: You know, the whole place was, you know, the whole place was cleared of, you know, human life before um, before any any of the vehicles could work. Because at that point, these were really untested and untried systems, and some of them, you know, didn't perform particularly well. Some of them did drive off the road into ditches, um, you know, and there were a couple of impacts between vehicles at that point as well. No
0: one was quite sure on what technologies would give the best bang for the buck and what would work the best to help the vehicle orient itself. Some lower budget teams tried using accelerometers. Back to our engineer, Ryan Isabel. They'd have accelerometers in three axis, which means
3: they'd have one going forward and back, sideways, um, and one going up and down. So they could use, and in theory, you could use these to calculate exactly where the vehicle was based off of the acceleration that it measures. In reality, there's so much error that it doesn't take very long for these cars to generally go off course. So the next step is incorporating GPS, Global Positioning System, incorporated with the accelerometers. So now it could tell you how fast it's going, which direction it's changing, but then it would use GPS
0: to correct those errors. One team who didn't think building a self-driving autonomous vehicle was quite hard enough was a team known as Blue Team, headed up by UC Berkeley undergraduate student Anthony Lewandowski. Anthony and his UC Berkeley team built the competition's only autonomous motorcycle. To balance the two-wheeled machine, onboard computers would read data from its inertial measurement units in order to determine and correct the angle of the vehicle and to see it used stereo cameras. Which work very similar to how your eyes work. When it's collecting two different images, it
3: can tell whether these images are further to the left or further to the right.
0: It can also tell depth based on similar to how your eyes do not only is building a bike that can balance itself difficult but you're also having to deal with building everything on
2: a smaller scale you know part of the challenge there was to get everything you need um to run the computers on board as well so that means getting the power on board they must have been really um incredibly serious about getting power miniaturization getting the batteries there and getting the bike to balance itself as well so yeah that they had a lot of challenges to overcome that the other teams who were driving with four-wheel vehicles didn't really have to overcome so yeah it's it's you know a really impressive entry the fact that it didn't actually perform very well in the competition um doesn't detract from the fact that it was a really a you know a, a really imaginative and quite pioneering effort
0: like mark said the bike did not perform very well and was actually scratched from the official event due to the autonomous clutch and cruise control not working But even though other vehicles did compete in the 2004 challenge, no one was able to complete the 142-mile course, which is a little over 228 kilometers for the rest of the world. That meant no one collected the $1 million prize. Carnegie Mellon University's converted Humvee made it the furthest distance of 7.32 miles or 11.78 kilometers. With the prize unclaimed, DARPA held another grand challenge in 2005 on a new desert course. They raised the prize to $2 million, and here is where the newest technology for autonomous navigation really shined.
2: And in, in the second iteration of the DARPA challenge, when everyone had the same laser unit, um, then it really was noticeable that those teams did better, and, and, and that the laser teams, the teams equipped with the LIDARs, were really by far the best performers in that, in that competition.
1: LIDAR is a surveying technology that measures distance by illuminating a target with a laser light. The term LIDAR was created as a combination of light and radar.
2: Yeah, if you think of it like radar, um, but with laser light, so you're basically firing out a very low-power laser beam um, in all directions from the top of the car.
0: Radar will send out a wave of radio waves, and then there's also sonar, which works by measuring the time it takes to shoot a sound wave out.
3: It will reflect off something and come back, and that amount of time is easily calculated into a distance. Lidar works
2: very similar to that, except for it shoots out a laser. Which is why a lot of the uh, the early units looked like having a flying saucer or a dustbin on top of you know a garbage can on top of a on top of a vehicle, and it was basically a spinning mirror array that would that would fire a laser out in all directions, you know, like a radar does when it spins around. With that
3: information, it's able to develop a 3D map just off of shooting this laser
2: across the road, and you could, it allowed if you have enough computing power on board the car you can build up a 3d picture of your surroundings um and you know in, entirely in 360 degrees so you're not limited to just looking out the front like you like humans are you know in, in one direction with their eyes you, you know it can actually have a perception of the whole surroundings of the vehicle at the same time
0: The incorporation of this laser mapping technology is what's really making self-driving cars possible today, and LiDAR won the day in the 2005 DARPA Grand Challenge, on top of Stanford University's converted Volkswagen Tirog named Stanley. Second and third place was a pair of Carnegie Mellon's converted Humvees. I'll tell you why that's interesting in a second. There were LiDAR units on the vehicle in 2004 Challenge, but the systems had improved by 2005, and more importantly, people were figuring out the software required for these applications.
2: The first laser LiDAR units were actually very poor, very, very, very expensive and not very good. Um, And so there wasn't really the awareness then that LiDAR was going to be pretty much the, the, the solution that it is today.
0: Stanford University's Volkswagen became the first autonomous vehicle to complete the 132 mile or 212 kilometer course. And it did it in six hours and 54 minutes. The project was led by Sebastian Troon, who was the director of the Stanford Artificial Intelligence Lab at the time, and who just two years earlier was the co-director of the Robotic Learning Laboratory at Carnegie Mellon University. Remember the team who finished second and third and went the furthest distance in the 2004 challenge? By completing this challenge, it proved for the first time that sustained, unrehearsed robotic driving is possible. Stanley, the winning robot, is now part of a permanent collection of the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. Stanford University chose to create Stanley by using the Volkswagen Turog because of its drive-by-wire capabilities. Drive-by-wire means that in the
3: past, um, your steering wheel, let's say, was is, is attached to a, a metal shaft that goes down to a s- steering system that all this is takes mechanical force through your hands in order to control the vehicle. When you step on the gas pedal, for example, you take a a cable that was attached either to your carburetor or to your fuel injection system, and it would pull a lever based on how much pressure your foot is putting on the pedal. Well, drive-by wire... The steering wheel is attached to a rotary potentiometer. And what that does is that takes and measures how much force is being put through the steering wheel or what position the steering wheel is, then takes that signal, sends it through wires down to a motor that's right on the steering, on the rack and pinion steering system. And that's what controls the torque going through the steering system. It takes the position of your acceleration pedal, of your gas pedal, and it converts that into ones and zeros, and it sends that to your fuel injection system to allow it to know how much how much acceleration or how much gas the driver's trying to look for. It eliminates all the
0: mechanical links between the driver and the vehicle. The final DARPA challenge for autonomous vehicles was the DARPA Urban Challenge. This time, DARPA wanted to see what these vehicles could do in more closed city streets.
2: Um, you know, highways are relatively safe environments even though it you know that looks like everything's going really fast um but you don't need great maps as long as you stay within your lane and avoid other vehicles you don't need to have this you know a a huge amount of decision making abilities but city streets are much more complicated you need to take a lot of inputs from different things You, you you don't just not want to know that you are, you know things move you know there are pedestrians there are pets um there are all kind of you know urban detritus you know there's rubbish on the road Um, There are street signs, there are policemen that might be um, indicating to you, you know, waving you or, you know, flashing lights. The
0: urban challenge was held at the former George Air Force Base in California. The rules were pretty much the same as the two previous challenges. And this time, they not only had to avoid other vehicles, but also more urban objects like carts, bicycles, traffic barrels, and follow all California driving laws. They also had to be able to operate in parking areas and perform U-turns if necessary. 11 teams made it through the national qualification event on November 3, 2007, and the race was on. 30-man vehicles were released onto the course to add traffic congestion. Not all cars started the race at the same time, but the first to cross the line was Stanford, who this time, with the help of Volkswagen, modified a 2006 Passat wagon. The Passat was blue and featured large Red Bull sponsor logos on the side, just like the Volkswagen Turok built for the Grand Challenges. The Passat was equipped with five different laser rangefinders. One of those was the Velodyne LiDAR system, which is equipped with 64 laser diodes and is mounted on the roof and spins, providing a 360-degree field of view. The system also included a distance measurement unit to know how far the wheels had traveled, a GPS-aided inertial navigation system, five separate radars, two quad-core computer systems, and a custom drive-by-wire interface developed by Volkswagen's research lab. But that wasn't quite good enough. DARPA used a judging system of total time to complete the course and how well the vehicle followed the driving laws. It was determined that Carnegie Mellon University's 2007 Chevy Tahoe, developed alongside General Motors, had a faster time, averaging 14 miles per hour through the course, and was the winner, claiming the $2 million prize. The Chevy Tahoe named Boss was a black Tahoe and featured two large General Motors logos on each side and one on the hood, along with Caterpillar logos two companies who could greatly benefit by supporting this kind of vehicle automation. Carnegie Mellon's Tahoe was equipped with a GPS and inertial measurement unit, two high dynamic range cameras, five radar units, two different LiDAR systems, including the spinning Velodyne LiDAR on the roof, for a total of 11 LiDAR units. A commercial off-the-shelf drive-by wire system was integrated into Boss with electric motors to turn the steering column, depress the brake pedal, and shift the transmission. Of the 11 teams that entered the Urban Challenge, six completed the 55-mile, 89-kilometer course, and four did it in under the six-hour time limit.
3: There's many technologies that would not be where they're at if it wasn't for DARPA. Um, DARPA is like the hub where you're bringing all these different technologies together. Things don't really happen unless there's a challenge or a deadline. It's kind of like necessity is the mother of invention. Well, DARPA creates that necessity. They put that financial prize out there of $2 million or $1 million to
0: challenge people to make these self-driving cars. From here, self driving cars became a thing people really thought about as a possibility. In the driver's seat here, but the car is driving itself. It is today, self-driving
1: it's self driving cars. Autonomous car technology. self driving cars. Car.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anthony Lewandowski, who is the UC Berkeley graduate that spearheaded the development of the university's autonomous vehicle for the DARPA Grand Challenge, started a company called 510 Systems with two other Berkeley engineering graduates. When Lewandowski went to work at Google on their new Street View system, 510 Systems shifted their work to developing a machine-controlled camera. The company designed a processing board that could take inputs from digital cameras, high-end GPS units, and inertial sensors, and then integrate the data from those systems so that the camera images were coded with positional data.
2: So Lewandowski was really... A big player in the robotics community around there at that time. Um, And so he was kind of a well-known figure in terms of creating little robotic projects. Obviously, the Ghost Rider project, his project for DARPA, get him a lot of attention. So he was kind of on the radar of a lot of um, media outlets at that time.
0: This led to an opportunity for Anthony to build another autonomous vehicle. But this time, it was for a TV show.
2: Anthony Lewandowski was approached by the um, Discovery Channel TV show called Prototype This. And they said, oh, we know, could you build us a An automated pizza delivery vehicle Um, and of course he kind of jumped at the chance and 510 took that task on board and uh, you know went all out to develop this Prius into a into a robotic pizza delivery car.
1: Prototype This was an engineering focused show on the Discovery Channel that premiered in 2008 and had one season. The series stated goal was to look into the viability of gadgets and technology seen in science fiction movies.
0: Anthony and 510 Systems picked up a Toyota Prius to build on because of its cost and the ease of tying into its drive-by-wire capabilities. So let me just tell you, the
3: steering, the gas pedal, and the brake pedal are the only three things that you need to control when you're driving a vehicle. All three of those are drive-by-wire on a Prius, which makes it a great candidate for a full-size RC car or a fully automated driving vehicle. The gear shifting is even electronic
2: because it didn't have the ability to reliably detect pedestrians or certainly predict their behavior um the police really didn't want it to be driving on the streets on its own it had police cars in front police cars behind it and no one was allowed to actually even you know risk interacting with it so it basically had the, you know nice empty streets to drive on but it did drive on real public streets and it navigated them pretty well um it just had one um little impact as it was coming off the bay bridge it it, it just clipped the rear um side of the vehicle and that was because in their hurry to build in their hurry to build this system they didn't teach the car they didn't teach the robot that was building the car how big the car itself was they kind of didn't they didn't they didn't put the the car's dimensions into the calculation so the car just thought of itself as like a point in space um and and obviously it just it it uh, it clipped It clipped the side of the bridge as it was coming off. Um, you know, it wasn't a big impact. It didn't stop the vehicle. It didn't stop the test or the TV show. But it kind of shows the sort of the sort of speed with which this is being developed. It was really his creating this and showing that it was possible with this Prius vehicle that I think inspired Google to start thinking about the possibilities for for themselves as a, you know, scaling this up. Another Google
0: hire was Stanford University professor and 2005 Grand Challenge winner Sebastian Troon who also co-invented Google Street View through a Stanford project. At Google, Troon, the German-born engineer, founded Google X and quickly moved on to head up the division's new self-driving car department.
1: Google X is a semi-secret research and development facility created by Google with a mission to invent and launch ambitious technologies that they call moonshots.
2: Well, it was originally formed as a part of Google to be them sort of moonshots, their their imagining on the technological solutions to some of the biggest problems in the world and, and one of those problems they they um say is obviously people dying on the roads they 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 are thirty odd thousand people die in the US on the roads every year and most of those results are most of those are a result of human error of one kind or another. Um yeah obviously mechanical failures do happen within cars, but it's mostly people making mistakes um, for one reason or another. So their aim, their stated aim is to say, look, let's see if we can get that down to you know virtually you know zero to get that down to a lower number as possible and they have other um, moonshot ideas within the google x um to, often to do with energy generation to do with um providing internet from um, aerial uh, balloons and drones
0: with the new self-driving car division and anthony Lewandowski and sebastian Troon, both working at google google purchased 510 systems from Lewandowski, and with it came the prius he developed for the discovery channel show
2: This original vehicle that was out out there delivering pizza was the same, one of the same vehicles that it was using to certify its autonomous technologies in Nevada, Um, you know, years later.
0: That same Prius was even registered as one of the first self-driving cars licensed.
2: So Nevada and California were the two really early states coming to self-driving vehicles. They didn't really know how to regulate them. Um, Now, Nevada took the point of, well, if it's claiming to be a car that drives itself, we should test it like like a, like a new driver, and they literally gave it a, a self-driving test where like an examiner, a driving examiner, sat in the passenger seat and, you know, marked off various, you know, pluses and minuses as it went around a route. Um, so it was kind of a really interesting model, and I think one that, that, is, that is really interesting and bears thinking about.
0: While they are not the only company working on self-driving cars, Google is clearly serious about their effort and the importance of what this could mean for our future.
2: Google's vision is of a purely autonomous, 100% self-driving vehicle, which needs no human interaction whatsoever. So you could just have a bed in the car. You could just have a comfy seat. And so, you know, blind people could use it, disabled people, uh, people with disabilities, you know, children, um, um, people who are impaired, you know, w- you know, with alcohol consumption or, or, or whatever reason, people who would not be fit to drive a car, their vision is of of giving mobility to those people. And so that would mean removing all human control from the vehicle. And that's, that's quite a high that's quite a high bar to set because even the best systems um, designed by Google and other people you know still have those edge cases where they don't work very well and particularly they have environmental conditions that don't work well in snow in you know perhaps sometimes in the night or in the rain um, and obviously in, in new environments or if those environments change
3: I believe in the not too distant future it will be illegal to drive a manual car I believe that if you have a uh, a 1969 Camaro that you want to drive that you can, you're only going to be able to drive it in designated areas um, until uh, our technology takes us from driving a car around on a concrete road to flying cars or hovercraft type vehicles. And then maybe for a time we'll get our roads back until they're so worn out that they don't want to maintain them anymore. Owning a non-automated car is going to be like owning a, a horse-drawn carriage from the 1850s. Not everybody has one. Everybody loves them and thinks they're cool, but you need to be passionate about, about a horse-drawn carriage in order for you to even to own one or want
0: to, want to ride one. It's hard to tell where the world of self-driving cars will take us, but we do know we don't plan for this to be our last time talking about it. It's a big topic, and we hope to explore it along with you. Also, if you have any interesting engineering stories, we'd love to hear them. We are open to anything centered around technology or engineering. Doesn't matter if it's mechanical, electrical, chemical, civil. We like it all. If you have something you think may make a good Built in Motion episode, you can send it to contact at builtinmotion.com You can also get in touch with us on Twitter, at Built in Motion and on Facebook. This episode was produced by me, Justin Voss with the help of Ryan Isabel. Lindsey Voss is our voice of data. Special thanks this week to science and tech writer Mark Harris. You can find Mark on Twitter at M.E. Harris. That's a good way to find all the places you can read his work. I'm Justin Voss.